Welcome to the new TV Gold podcast from Media Week's Andrew Mercado and James Manning, a podcast for people who love great television. On this new episode of TV Gold, we've got the two more Australian dramas. So There's been a bit of a flood of those in May, which is brilliant. We've also got shows from Foxtel and Binge, a UK drama, and we've got a Netflix um, sort of a prequel, if you like, which is pretty good. But we're going to start with one of those Australian dramas first. And um, as I welcome my co-host, Andrew Mercado, have you been watching 10 Pound Poms? Oh, yeah, James. I've watched the first two episodes. I absolutely loved it. It's a new series on Stan launching May 15. There'll be six episodes. Yeah, look, I was really looking forward to this. I think I'm on board with you. It disappointed me in a few places. I thought some of the story and the these sort of characters didn't quite resonate with me. But in general, yeah, I'm with you. I did really enjoy it. Well, the storylines are kind of far-fetched, aren't they? <laughs> I mean, you think because it's about 10-pound poms and you'll get these English migrants coming to Australia and it will be sort of, you know, but instead it kind of it's ricochets right up there, doesn't it, with the situations and the reasons why some of the people are escaping England. And it is kind of far-fetched. And there's certainly was a couple of incidents in that first episode I was going as if, come on, yeah. <laughs> you know, how's this woman knowing how to drive from the migrant camp to Sydney late at night when she's only done it once? You know, there's no sat-nav back then. You know, it did stretch the, level. you know, believability. Yeah. But the performances are good, James. And, you know, you need a strong storyline. And although they've really gone for that heightened storyline, I did buy into it, and and I thought the performances were terrific. But you know, the standout for me, James, is David Field as the the Aussie guy that the English guy played by Warren Brown meets on the working digging ditches. Yes. My God, that is one hell of a performance. That had echoes for me of. Chips Rafferty in the 1971 movie Wake in Fright, but with a maniac alleged. I mean, David Field, I mean, one minute he's laughing his head off and the next minute he just switches and he looks like he's going to kill you. Very scary stuff. <laughs> yeah, he's done um, a fair bit of character work, I think. He's, he's always pretty good, isn't he? Oh, he's always been fantastic. I remember, I'll never forget, years ago I was uh, – interviewing him. He'd, he'd done this film and it was about uh, greyhounds, these two guys that hung around the greyhound track. And so we went to the greyhound <laughs> track to interview David Field and his friend. It was this little Australian film. I'm damned if I can remember the name of it. Anyway, we were there in the middle of the interview and all of a sudden, like, all of a sudden in the middle of the interview, David Field just goes, Hang on, it's it's race five. I've got a bet on. He just ran off to watch the race in the middle of the interview. He's a real character. I mean, what you see on screen is kind of what you get there. He's a very, very Aussie guy, but he is a sensational actor with the right material. Yeah, he's flown under the radar for um, far too long, hasn't he, with uh, sort of bit parts here and there. Um, yeah. That, um, but when I see him, I always think of the English actor Sid James. Do, am I wrong? <laughs> Well, that kind of craggy face. Yeah, 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 I can see that. And that sort of uh, cheeky grin and that sort yeah. of maniacal laugh he can he can conjure up. 
Yeah, absolutely fantastic. And what about the performance by Stephen Curry as the guy who runs the 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 migrant camp? I thought that was a really great performance too. He's he's crafted a real character there. Uh, so great Aussie cast. But look, you know the the English actors that they're recruiting for this once again, like um, North Shore, which we talked about last week. I thought Michelle Keegan as. Uh, the 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 woman who uh you know loses her fiance on the boat uh over to Australia I thought she was great and Warren Brown as the former soldier who's suffering PTSD after World War II and he's uh got a real problem with alcohol and the wife uh kind of insists that they come to Australia so that he can sort himself out I thought he was I thought that he was absolutely terrific in that role yeah, look, of um, Warren Brown, he was he played a very memorable character in the early episodes of Luther, um, and it's a sig- very significant plot point when he's no longer in the show. I, yeah. won't, I, I don't know, even though it's a long time ago, there'll be some people who mightn't have seen it. So he's definitely worth watching. Those um, if you if you you know not a big fan of Luther or you haven't seen a lot. Those early ones are worth worth watching, I think, just for his – he was sort of like a co-star almost um, back then. Yeah, right. Hasn't hasn't really done a lot of major lead work since then. He's been in a few things, not a lot of stuff I've seen. I also liked his wa- wife in this, uh, Anne, or yes. Annie, played by uh, Faye. Is it Marseille? Marcy? Um, she was yeah, in Faye Marseille, yeah, yeah. Haven't seen a lot of her stuff, but she was in Deep Water. Uh, she was in McMafia. Uh, I think Michelle Keegan, you'd like from her work in uh, was she in Coronation Street? Yeah, she was a big Coronation Street star, yes, yeah. And um, created by Danny Brocklehurst, I think, who was offered this project by it was a sort of a co pro between. Um, I think it's Eleven, the production company in the UK, and Stan yep. here. I'll just um, read a little bit about from the to, to set the scene for for people who might be interested in this. Yeah, a group of Brits. The the series starts in the UK. Um, people living a fairly dreary life in um, in Britain. I think it might be even in Manchester. It felt like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who and um, the the wife uh, Annie sees an opportunity to you know go on a life altering adventure, which would be you know migrate to australia but it you know there's a cost but it's only 10 pound yeah well this this is this is based in in truth you paid 10 pounds per person to get the boat from the uk to australia which would have been a great deal back there back yes. then but yeah. the, the the thing is you've got to surrender your passport and for two years and you basically have to live in this hostel migrant camp which isn't real flash until you get a job and save up money to strike out and start buying or building your own house and i mean that is fact and the reason that they took your passport off you for two years was because the psychologist had figured out that people needed two years to get over homesickness for the uk and decide that they actually liked australia and that after that you would stay and contribute to the country Yes, yeah. I found um, you realise they've stretched their budget probably as far as they could. I found some of those scenes at the docks when they're about to leave the UK a little bit. It just did look like um, 
I know the effects weren't that great, didn't look very convincing. And that whole stuff about Michelle Keegan's uh, fiance, I just thought that was never explained. I I guess it might be later in the series we'll find out exactly what happened. But I kept thinking, well, why is she on the boat by herself? Yeah, yeah, that comes. You, you get you get some more insight into that in the second episode that I've seen. Yes. Um, but, you know, th- let's face it, this doesn't portray a great picture of Australia. I mean, no. the racism yeah. in this is off the chart. And, you know, we do have Rob Collins in there. Uh playing a co-worker on that game that that he's going to become more important as the story comes along. But it's really quite shocking to hear some of the slurs that are used in it. And, you, and it's kind of startling. And then you think to yourself, but you know what? Historically, that is the way Australians spoke back in the 1950s. Uh, mm. And it's shocking to a modern audience today, but, you know, that is how it used to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it won't. Um, I think a lot of people who watch this in the UK won't be jumping onto uh, the Qantas website to book flights. <laughs> yeah, they'll be wondering, gee, how much has it really changed? Um, <laughs> how much has it really changed since then? The thing that surprised me, and I presume it's accurate, is that the um, the relocation of a lot of the ten pound palms into regional really badly equipped uh, migrant hostels, you know, there's there's no flushing toilets, there's, you know, they're all outdoor bathrooms, Um, hot water was a bit of a luxury, Um, you know, that surprised me. And that sort of, you see them in that, after they arrive in Australia, that bus ride, they're going across a little dirt road Mm. on top of a mountain. I was thinking, yeah, as if, but maybe that's reasonably accurate. But, you know, that's the kind of uh, camp that is described in Jimmy Barnes' autobiography when they wow. immigrate from Scotland. And that's where they kind of meet, you know, Vander and Young, you know, those musicians, ACDC, all those kids met um, as young teenagers living together in those migrant camps before the families had enough money to move out and, and have their own house. Yes, yeah, okay. All right, so it's a sort of a two thumbs up for from us, really, isn't it? For, uh, yeah, totally. Pounds, I loved it. I really loved bombs. it. Stan, uh, May 15, six episodes. Watch out for that. Look, let's go straight to the other Australian drama this week, coming to the ABC uh, Sunday nights from May 14. I think all eight episodes also available on iView from that Sunday, May 14, Messenger. Yeah, so this is based on a book. I think the book's been around for about 20 years or so. Um, but, you know, and it's the story of, you know, four young friends who seem to live in a small country town, maybe on the outskirts of Sydney. I kind of had a kind of a Lifko feel to me. Yep, and, uh, you know, they, they're kind of there. And this, this one of them is a taxi driver. He stops this uh, crime from happening and kind of is hailed as a bit of a hero. And from that point on, um, he starts to get these playing cards with addresses on them and he goes and investigates and discovers these people here and he keeps getting more cards saying, you need to help us, you're our messenger. And he doesn't know who the cards are coming from, but he decides to kind of hang around and... uh, 
help out. Um, look, I watched the first two episodes of this, and I've got to say, of all the great Aussie dramas I've seen over the last few weeks, which is Ten Pound Palms, North Shore, and Safe Home, this is the one that I struggled to connect with. I watched two episodes, and and I just really was struggling to be interested enough to watch eight hours of it because it's a long it's a long commission it's eight episodes and i was like you know when are we going to find out what's actually going on here yeah look i'm i'm a bit of the same with you i um i watched that first episode a little bit disappointed yeah and i really had to sort of <laughs> manage to sort of some motivation to to get through the second one um the books by marcus zusak i think is 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 the author apparently sold about a million copies I right. think I'd be struggling to get anything like that for people watching it, but you never know. It might struck a chord with some people. But yeah, I just I just found it confusing. I didn't really care. I wasn't engaged by any of the characters. Yeah, um, that's the problem I had with it. I just couldn't connect with it. Yeah. I mean, I like the start. There was action straight away. There's a yeah. there's a robbery in a place they call the booze barn. Right. Um, so they didn't waste any time. But but after that it just failed to to keep you sort of wanting to to learn more, I I love the Leth, Lithgow setting, although they don't really tell you it's Lithgow anyway. No, they don't. No mention, but in the credits, I saw a hidden little sort of thanks to the um, must have been the Lithgow Shire Council or or somebody, and the count those credits flick by so quickly, you've, yeah, yeah, it's virtually impossible to read. So you've really got to freeze the screen there. Um, William McKenna's sort of the lead. He's a taxi driver. Come on, you know that was just not believable at all. I just couldn't buy into that. Um, yeah. Alexandra Jensen, I guess, is the co-star. You'd know her from Fraid, I guess. Yeah, yep, yeah, I recognised her. Um, yeah. And look, there was there were. It's a good cast as always with any Australian yeah. show. I mean, also as as TV Tonight has pointed out, a huge shout out to Maggie Dents who, you know, is has been working continuously on TV since the 1960s. She was Mavis Bramston. Um, and, you know, we saw her in Heartbreak High playing the foul-mouthed grandmother, and here she is again, you know, still a working actress. Maybe... Um, our 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 greatest veteran actor now still working, although Rabina Bird's beard still popped up in the last King of the Cross. But it's great; it's always great for me, you know, because I love my Aussie TV history to see some of these these great actors still getting work today. Yeah, yeah. Um, it comes from Lingo Pictures, who've made some of the shows we've liked in the past. We were, think we're both fans of The Secret She Keeps. Yeah. Um, Two seasons. There were lots to love about Lambs of God. Oh yeah, um, as well. Um, Upright went to two seasons as well, and ITV Studios bought into Lingo Pictures, which was basically launched by Helen Bowden and Jason Stevens um, quite some time ago. But look, I, I noticed there were nine producers and executive producers working on this. I mean, that's not unheard of. But I was just wondering, why is there? too many people with creative input i'm i'm just not sure why why it didn't exactly work yeah there's something about it that's not quite right i can't put my finger on it but yeah that you know yeah to you know maybe there isn't well you know when there's that many executive producers where's the person who's in charge who says this is the vision this is what we've got to do 
Yep, indeed. Okay, so that's Messenger uh, on ABC. Probably knock them all off on iView if you're so inclined from May 14. Moving right on, a town called Malice. Yeah. On Binge and Foxtel. Look, I didn't think I'd really, I don't know why. It just, I just think, well, look, I'll watch it. I'm not expecting, but I was sort of pleasantly surprised. Yeah. It was fun, wasn't it? It was, well, you know, I mean, for you, James, with your background at <laughs> smash hits and 80s music, my God, I reckon they half the budget on this went on the soundtrack. Every great hit from the 80s is there. And the characters are kind of singing along with it on the car radio. Uh, it's very, very much of the era and, and very heavily leaning into that soundtrack. Yeah, look, I'm I'm glad you mentioned the soundtrack. It actually starts with a clip of Gary Davies on um, Radio One from the eighties. Um, he's still on the BBC, of course. You can hear him. He now does a show called uh, Sound of the Eighties on Radio Two, which is a great podcast. If anybody ever wants to download some good tunes, yeah. Um, that I think Boney M is in one of the extended yes. scenes. That was great. There's, but there's a real mix. There's the clash, there's buggles, there's in excess. So it's a real spread of some really, you know, significant music from the eighties. Um, Martha Plimpton's probably the only real big star that a lot of people will have heard of in this. There's a lot of sort of character actors that popped up in different UK uh, dramas, but but she was the one. Look, didn't have a lot to do in that first episode. No. But, um, um, she was the, the only person I really recognised. And oh, the oh, there was a, a quick cameo from Paul Weller. Did you notice that at all? No, the, I um, didn't. Where was Paul Weller in that? He was having a beer at the bar. No, I missed um, yeah, of course, the a town called Malice is actually the name of a jam song. Yeah, um, which is the sort of they've used to, uh, as the name of the series. But they were playing a different jam song when uh, going underground. When uh, Paul Weller does, he he has a sip from a beer and turns around. I think he just ah. walks across the bar. So I, I quite enjoyed that. Look, I would say that uh, Do Gray Scott is fairly well known, you know, actor who oh, was yeah, in Mission Impossible, and he plays Uncle Tony. And this is about a British crime family that get into some serious trouble in the UK, and they send a couple of families out of the country, send them to Malaga in Spain because you can't be extradited from there in the 80s, and Uncle Tony picks them up. And, wow, <laughs> this is a real kind of star-making performance for Dugray Scott. He kind of makes out that he's, as they call it in the show, caked, meaning he's made a lot of money, uh, doesn't quite turn out to be that way. I mean, it's very violent. And and the thing about this, James, is that every character in this, maybe with the exception of one, is a pretty horrible, violent bully that, you know, will shoot somebody to get their own way. And, you know, it, it by the end of episode two, I was kind of going, you know, I kind of like it because – I like the look of it and I like the music, but, man, th this family is just horrible. I don't know that I care enough about these people to keep watching it. Yeah, I, I thought they almost overdid it. Is it the end of the first episode where there's quite a bloodbath? Um, very, very yeah. bloodthirsty but, end but of it's, the first episode. In its favour, it's not gory, so you, it's not no, violent. No, it's cartoonish, yet. isn't it? The well, it's too cartoonish, isn't it, really? It, yeah. It dismisses it as if, like, not significant. And that was my sort of problem with the series. I wasn't sure whether it was sort of a 
bit of a crime comedy as a more of or more of a crime drama. Yeah. I wasn't quite sure what way it was going, but well, it's filmed brilliantly. It's all very vibrant colours. Is it ever? Um, yeah. I, I used to think Costa de Sol would be a pretty awful holiday destination, but, gee, I'm looking at this and going, gee, it wouldn't be too bad maybe, you know. <laughs> they make it look really good, so I'm not sure if the Spanish Tourism Board have tipped some money into this, but they, they do make it look a lot better than some of those shows that show just show stories about English people going and, and buying apartments on uh, coastal Spain. So there's eight episodes, James, and it was made by uh, Sky UK. But it's interesting, the episodes are still airing, but Sky has already announced that there won't be any more episodes. They've cancelled it uh, at just one season. And I always think, why would you do that halfway through a series run? What You know, because people just go, oh, why am I going to keep, why why should I keep watching this? What if it ends on a cliffhanger? You know, Mm. let those episodes run out and then announce you're not making any more. But yeah, that's it. It's literally just eight episodes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so a town called Malice, yeah, looked quite enjoyable. Um, spoiler alert, it possibly won't be the show of the week, but, um, you know, you could. It's, it's not a complete waste of time. There's a lot to enjoy if you tune into it. Well, look, another English drama, and very different, is Queen Charlotte. Yeah. Um, it's a prequel to Bridgerton. Now, we talked about Bridgerton, I think, when it first launched. We did. We both gave it, I, from memory, uh, we enjoyed it, but we weren't massively on board. But I've got to admit, I never watched season two of Bridgerton. Neither did I. Yeah. What so, I found really interesting about this Bridgerton story, as they're calling it, Queen Charlotte, is the opening moment where Julie Andrews reads out this dec- disclaimer and says, hello, what you're about to see is <laughs> fiction based on fact. Hopefully this won't ruin your experience. Enjoy. And I thought that's a really good way to do this because they are playing a bit loose with actual English history there. And I guess some people who watch Bridgerton had an issue with that. But if you make that disclaimer at the the start of the show, I think that then gives you permission to say, okay, we're loosely basing this on history, but you're encouraging the audience, go off and read the actual history of of Queen Charlotte. But this is a show that's going to have a little bit of fun and make it a bit modern and sexy in its storytelling. Yeah, look, I've got to say, I really enjoyed this um, a lot more than I thought I would. And, I, and I've read a few reviews of fans saying, look, they they weren't sure what to expect. They were big Bridgerton fans, and they've found they actually enjoyed this a little bit more than Bridgerton. Yeah. It's um, six episodes. For me, it's fairly simple to follow. Sometimes I get confused in these period dramas, and there yeah. are there are flash forwards, and then they go back again. But it's the the young romance between Queen Charlotte and King George, yeah, uh, the third. How they meet, their wedding, and their sort of life after they're married, and it does the flash forwards and comes back again. But I sort of I was on board with it, and you you don't really well. The producers say you don't need to be sort of all over Bridgerton to be able to enjoy this. And no, not at all. You could you could watch this as a without having watched Bridgerton at all before. It's a it's a self-contained story. Even though you see some of those characters from Bridgerton, but you're seeing in the prequel, you're seeing younger versions of some of those characters within this story. 
Yeah, yeah. But no, look, again, a young cast playing the two leads, young Queen Charlotte, I think it's India, Amata Fio, uh, excuse me on that pronunciation, Corey, I think, Micklecrest plays the young King George. Yeah. Um, and I thought they were both really good. They were really good. And also, and of course, you still have Julie Andrews doing that beautiful voiceover all throughout the show. But also, this is the first uh, gay subplot in the Bridgerton mm. universe because you've got, and it's hilarious, you've got uh, <laughs> the Queen's secretary and the secretary to the king having a secret gay affair and they rush off to the quarters. And as they're, you know, getting it off, they're like, hey, yes, sir, what do you think the queen, the king, queen thinks about this? And they're trading little gossip as they're having sex with each other. It's kind of outrageous. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's, then they're, they're both great characters and both great actors playing that. Um, the, and the, and the flash forwards are played by people who play those roles in Bridgerton. So yes. that's, that's quite good for, for, for the link between the two. And it's made me get a little bit more of an appetite maybe to go back and catch up where Bridgerton, where I left off. If oh, I, I agree. I thought exactly the same thing. We're agreeing too much today, James. This is not good. We need yin and yang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder what can we have a blue about. Um, yeah, no, but it was. It's beautifully made and, you know, it's. Uh, I love it that they're doing these kind of modern period pieces. You know, they're, yeah. they're not at all like the kind of the slow, stuffy English dramas. You know, it's got a real modern sensibility to it. And it's kind of beautiful. I love it that they've opened it up and and done some diverse casting uh, within this uh, within this franchise. And it, it just makes it it just makes this history so much more interesting for a younger audience today who hopefully will go off and do their research and and educate themselves on what did actually happen because you know we know that king george uh, as he got older had real uh well he had mental health issues right yeah yeah again the um the colors in this are so vibrant the the flower arrangements in some of these um stately homes are just incredible and the the food setups when um, young Queen Charlotte comes down to breakfast, you know, yeah. it's just there's about was there about six, six sort of butlers, sort of maybe <laughs> maybe twelve. It's like six each side of the table. It seems, yeah, yeah, just waiting to to pour her an orange juice or you know slice a bit of orange or something or. <laughs> But the, Interestingly, you know, you know an, a historian has pointed out on social media, there's a scene, you know, where they're walking through a castle and there's all these portraits, you know, hanging on the wall there. And this historian said, everyone on that portrait hasn't been born yet in this Bridgerton universe. <laughs> you know, there's a photo of Queen Victoria who comes after, you know. So, uh, yeah, the true historians are kind of going, look, we understand you're playing a bit you know, loose with this, but, you know, you can't have pictures hanging on the wall in these castles that, are, you know, aren't going to get painted for another 100 years. So that's funny. I, I like it that those historians are pointing that stuff out to us. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay, so that's Queen Charlotte. Uh, six episodes on Netflix. They're all up and available now. And for me, that you know, that's little things like that keep me thinking, oh, yeah, my Netflix subscription is worth holding on to. Yeah. Um, I told a lie at the start. I said there was two Aussie drummers. There's actually three, I think, because Oh, you're right. I haven't seen I I haven't watched Five Bedrooms since the first season. It's 
a move from 10 to Paramount Plus, of course. Yeah. Was this season three or was it four? No, this is season four. They, the Paramount Plus ended up doing two series quite quickly. Okay. Uh, and they are rolling out slowly on 10 about 12 months afterwards. But, uh, this fourth series of, uh, five bedrooms, I watched maybe the first three or maybe it was the first four episodes and look you know this is a real feel-good show for me you know this is a great commission from 10 you know the characters are very appealing and what i think that they do the script writing is very clever they're not introducing new characters they're going back with some of the characters they've brought in the first three seasons and they're bringing some of them back some of you know the parents and they're bringing them back and doing more stories and, and that's really working for me you can get really confused when there's new characters coming all the time but then you go oh yeah i remember uh when these actors were in it before so you know well done to five bedrooms a really strong fourth season and i would say an absolute shoo-in to be renewed for a fifth season Okay, well, it's good. It's good to see um, Aussie dramas getting a uh, a lengthy life, and that's on Paramount Plus, Five Bedrooms. Look, I've got a couple of viewing recommendations, but first I want to get to a listener email. Yep. Remember, we want to hear from you. I mean, you don't have to just tell us how good or how bad we are. We'd, I'd like to hear about your best shows of the year so far. Is there something we've overlooked? So just uh, reach out and have a chat to us. The address to send us an email, comments at tvgold.au. Yep. This, this week's correspondent is Clayton Williamson. Not sure where in Australia Clayton might be, but I'm guessing Sydney or Melbourne. Um, Clayton writes, I love your podcast and never miss an episode. My wife and I have found so many great shows from listening to, to your reviews. We really appreciate your opinions. One thing that I would suggest is that whenever you finish talking about a show, you mention the name again and the platform to watch it. Ah, uh, yeah. Which I've been trying to do this week, Clayton, so yeah, I hope great. you noticed that. But uh, we will try and uh, stay on top of that in future. It's a very good point. He finishes with, you always say this info at the beginning and by the Time you finished chatting about it, I've forgotten the name. <laughs> could be could be just me getting old. No, I don't think it's just getting old. It's some there's so many programs every week we try and keep across. So it's it's really easy not to um not to remember them all. Yeah, great. Yeah, we'll try and remember to do that, Clayton. For sure. Look, a couple of things I'll I want to leave you with, Andrew. I've had a sneak peek at a this, we usually talk about drama, but I've got a couple of recommendations that are sort of lifestyle programming, if you like. Or, okay. Um, the first is from Tim Ross, the comedian, the broadcaster. Yes. Architect buff. It's called Designing a Legacy. Yeah, I've been looking at this. I mean, I, I love the shows he did. I think he did that show on the Australian swimming pool. He's yep. got a really keen eye for Australian history and he loves his, you know, classic architecture and the old 1960s motels that you used to stay in when you were on a road trip. So what is he looking at um, houses in this new series? He does, yeah. He pulls out interesting homes or yep. interesting builds. They're usually residential properties. Not always, and um, just travels around Australia. There's a fair bit of Tasmania in the first one. There's some regional New South Wales, and he goes right up to 
I think it's as far north as the Torres Strait. So there's wow, it covers a fair bit of ground in this first episode, but it's just fantastic. Tim is great. He's very dry, very droll, very funny, um, and he uncovers some great stuff, some great work by architects. So I really want to recommend that. Um, catch it on iView, and it's going into the sort of that. I think it's the prime Sunday night seven thirty slots. So. Yeah, right. I'll, I'll watch that. You know, it, you really get the passion whenever Tim Ross does a show like this. Sure. Uh, I, I watch anything he does, so that's an that's a no brainer for me. Yeah, and a, a show I've I've always been a fan of. It's up to season fourteen, believe it or not. Selling Houses Australia. This <laughs> yeah. Is on, this is on Foxtel. Andrew Winter, Wendy Moore, and the new gardener Dennis. Sorry, right. Dennis, I've forgotten your surname. But um, they look, they go and find a house that's been on the market for twelve months, maybe longer in some cases. The owners haven't been able to sell it. They, Andrew and his team, have a quick look and think, okay, what could they do to make sure this house sells? They find out if the owner has a small budget they could tip in that can range from 10 or 20,000 maybe up to as much as 60 70,000 and then they'll they'll work out how they could best spend that put the house back on the market and hopefully it sells pretty quick um look there's a lot of repetition in this you can almost fast forward the first 15 minutes <laughs> before the action starts but for me I love it if I'm you know I'm cooking getting dinner ready I'm cleaning up I'm doing the dishes a little bit of housework because if you're missing every second, it doesn't matter. You can still enjoy it. So, yeah, look, uh, selling houses Australia. Look, it's actually a huge week in TV, James. I mean, I'll be getting up at 5 a.m. this Sunday morning to watch Eurovision live on SBS. We got a couple of new reality shows on free to wear TV. You got the summit beginning on nine on Sunday night and, uh, Jai Courtney becomes the latest Australian actor alongside Jonathan LaPaglia and Hugo Weaving to host a reality show. Uh, seven are doing their balloon show on Monday night called blow up. You look at that and go seriously. Like what, what are you thinking doing a show blowing up balloons? But you know, the one that I'm really excited about is uh, Tim Winton, who will be doing a show on the ABC on Tuesday nights about uh, Ningaloo, which is that, you know, beautiful uh, coastal area off Western Australia. And, you know, there's shots of him diving with whale sharks and it, it's something that he is very passionate about. Uh, so like Tim Ross, I think you will, we'll see it'll be a show to watch for the passion of uh, one of our great Australian authors there. Okay. Look, let me give out our correspondence address again. Send us an email to comments at tvgold.au. We want to hear from you. Andrew's show of the week? £10 palms. Yeah, look, I think I've got to go with you. Wow, um, really? It was, it was a close call for me between that and Queen Charlotte. But Yeah, I'm, it was close. I've got to go Aussie, I think. So, well, it's a co-pro, I guess, English and um and um and Australia Cooperative. I just can't go past those performances, James. David Field uh in ten pound palms. Uh, this could be the role of his career. It could be a real star making performance from him because this is going to screen on the BBC. There's going to be a big audience who's going to watch this. So, you know, hopefully it, it really uh gives him a push because he is one of our great Aussie actors. Yeah, it goes out on the same night in Australia as it does in the in the UK. So it'd be uh, 
It'd be interesting um, to to see the response from uh, the critics and the audience in yeah. the UK as well as here, of course. Andrew, look, it's been great. We'll um, do this podcast again next week. You can read Andrew every Friday. He writes a column in the Media Week email. You can get that at mediaweek.com.au. Just punch your name into the little appropriate box on our homepage and that email will pop into your inbox daily. Andrew, what are you writing about this week? Oh, look, I'll write some more about 10-pound poms uh, and probably look for something I haven't said about five bedrooms yet. I mean, I don't normally write about stuff that's in their fourth season, but, you know, there are so few feel-good Aussie dramas. You know, I want to say something about that. But yes, we're always going to do the murders. We're always going to do the true crimes. But the stuff that leaves the smile on your face are the Aussie dramas that resonate with me the most. Fantastic. Okay, Andrew, we'll do it again next week. Thanks, James. Have a great week. 